Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with the NFL kicking off this week, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS, they've been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. You can join now at BETUS.com and you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our personal bonus code CHICAGO125. They have re-upped and referral bonuses also. And BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all of your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. You can bet on Cal college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp Bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet. U.S. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and I've been waiting forever to say this. Welcome back to game week. That's right, our Chicago Bears will be playing a game this week as they kick off the 2021 season with a Sunday nighter in L.A. to take on the Rams. I'm Rose Woldewitt, and I want to welcome you to our first Meet the Opponent episode of the season, where we interview an expert who covers our opponent to give us the inside look and what we're up against. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and the two of us, we're eager to pick the brain of our first Meet the Opponent guest of the season. That is Jake Ellenbogen of the Downtown Rams podcast. Jake, thank you for taking some time to join us this evening. I want to know, first of all, how are you doing and second of all, are you as excited as we are to finally get back to action in this 2021 NFL season? Well, I'd like to thank you both, Will and Nicholas, for having me on. It is a pleasure and an honor. Um, I am absolutely stoked. Um, I'm every word I can't say live on camera, basically. I just like it's mind blowing. You know, the, the season's finally here. Um, you know, not every day. I mean, obviously, you guys kind of know the same, although he's probably not going to play. Uh, but when you make that big decision and you go out and you get a different signal caller, it just feels so different. The season feels different. Um, and going out and getting Matthew Stafford, it's just the best way I can explain it. It's not a culture change. It's a fan base change. I just feel like the whole vibe of the fan base has changed. It's gone from, yeah, you have your people in there that think, uh, you know, the, the pessimists that think, you know, 10 and 7, 9 and 8, whatever. But for the most part, it's Super Bowl or bust with the Los Angeles Rams fan base, the community, and uh, it should be. That's that's how it should be. They got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and I'd be lying if I you know didn't say Matthew Stafford isn't like immensely more talented than Jared Goff. So you know that's where we're at. That's where we're at as we kick off this season. Bears Rams. It's interesting because the name of this episode is Meet the Opponent, but Jake feels like the Bears and Rams were very familiar with one another, whether it's playing each other every season, as well as, you know, the coaches that you have familiarity with, some of our old players and vice versa. Uh, there's a lot, I think, that's shared here. Do you kind of have the same sense from your vantage point that this is maybe rivalry is a strong term, but a team that like when you look at the Bears, you feel like you know them as well? 
Well, I mean, you know, you could go back to what was it, 85? They played in the NFC title game, I believe. Um, you know, they've had experience in the past, like with these two. You know, they've beaten the crap out of each other. Um, you know, the game last year, primetime, once again, another primetime game. And, and then before that, another primetime game with, you know, Trubisky and Goff just absolutely stinking up the joint. Uh, to be fair, Trubisky had an actual excuse because he was playing with half a shoulder. Um, but you know, it's really been that type of deal is that these two keep, uh, fighting each other. And, you know, I think a, a lot of Rams fans, uh, should be a little bitter about, uh, you know, the bears cause without Vic Fangio exposing the Rams offense, uh, for what it was, Bill Belichick may not have had the blueprint on how to stop the Rams in the Super Bowl. And I can tell you right now. Uh, you know, there are people that will always use excuses if Todd Gurley was fully healthy, if Cooper Cup played, uh, all sorts of things. But the biggest thing is that the Rams didn't play the Bears that year. I think they might have trounced New England. I think, you know, Fangio gave them the blueprint. I, I mean, you saw it, you know, firsthand. Not only was Jared Goff thrown for a loop, but Sean McVay. And so it actually, in a sense, has put the Rams organization in a tailspin. And as, as talented as they are, they were unable to make the playoffs in 2019. And then in 2020, they make the playoffs. But you could see that as great as that defense was, that offense has not gotten back to 2017-18 territory. And a lot of that is because Fangio. So, uh, you know, I'm actually a huge Fangio fan. I'm a huge, uh, you know, Staley fan as well, who also came from the Bears. And I just like, there's so many players on the Bears that just enthralled me. I mean, first off, you have Eddie Jackson, a guy that was so interesting when he had Fangio, a guy that would play that mm -hmm. center field spot, could just basically shut down any side of the field because he's just extremely athletic. I also like Bama, so that's probably a reason. Um, <laughs> you know, I love Akeem Hicks. I think Akeem Hicks is, you know, one of the most underrated uh, interior defensive linemen and maybe one of the most underrated defensive linemen in football. Um, and then, of course, Khalil Mack. I mean, we've seen him absolutely take over games. So they've had a lot of, you know, fun players to watch. Uh, a guy that I, you know, watched uh, with the Rams and a huge fan of Alec Ogletree. It looks like he's starting for you guys. So I'm hoping he has a good game, but not too good of a game. I understand, man. Jake, you know how to really get into, you know, the good graces of our fan base and our listeners by starting this episode with a bunch of Vic Fangio love. You couldn't have done it really any better <laughs> <It's my> guy so, <laughs> right i mean without a doubt so nick and i we have a handful of questions on each side of the ball that we want to just kind of pick your brain on and nick i'll go over to you first and let's start with offense uh, what do you want to kind of start off with uh with jake yeah you were jake you're obviously talking about matthew stafford somebody that will and i are very familiar with obviously but <laughs> this may be a simple question but maybe a complicated answer Last season, Sean McVay's offense didn't look quite like, you know, it had been in the past years. So does Ma just adding Matthew Safford solve all of the Rams' offensive problems? Or not problems, but just solve everything for the Rams? Nicholas, it really solves everything. And, and I can't stress that enough. This defense does not have to be number one. Frankly, they could be 15. The thing is that people don't understand and that I don't feel like mainstream media is doing enough to really let people understand. Sean McVay was severely, I'm not I'm talking a little bit limited. Okay, you, we can't call that because fine. No, he was severely limited in LA the last season with Goff uh, to the point where, you know, you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup over the last two years. You know, they are leading the league in yards after the catch. Now they are phenomenal after the catch. But the reason they have that lead and the reason the only one that's even close is Devontae Adams over the last two years is because it's been dinking and dunking. It's been, let's get Goff comfortable. Let's keep Goff comfortable. We're stuck with Jared Goff. Jared Goff, let me just let you guys know this. Sean McVay wanted Goff uh, to, to join him on the next level, right? Because he was challenged by Belichick. He was challenged by our boy Fangio. And what that did is it put a lot of pressure on Sean McVay to change his ways, adapt or die. We've seen it all the time. Mm -hmm. Chip Kelly comes to the NFL and he just can't do it, right? We've seen it all the time. Well, Sean McVay, all of a sudden, in his second year after going to the Super Bowl, had a tough pill to swallow. He can either be Mr. Ego, golden boy, and not change his offense and chalk it up for eh, just that's that stuff happens, right? Or he could really start to build around a, a new offensive game plan uh, that isn't already figured out, and that's what he tried to do. 
unfortunately, and there are people that have different theories, different offensive linemen, letting Roger Saffle go, all of that, because they were the built for tough offensive line of the year award winners in 2018. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this, Goff didn't join him at that next level. Sean McVay is there. He's been ready. He's ready. He's already taken that step, and he has been held back because of Jared Goff. Goff is an average to good quarterback. He can make the throws in structure, but anything outside of structure is not in Goff's realm. He is not mobile. He is not a running quarterback, and he struggles with pocket awareness, pocket presence, and manipulating the pocket in general. So therefore, if your offensive line is playing bad, they look horrible blocking for Jared Goff, whereas if the offense is playing good, Jared Goff makes them look average and great good. You, you see what I'm saying there? So mm -hmm. adding Stafford changes the game. I mean, I'll tell you this right now. One of the main reasons Brandon Cooks is in L.A. anymore is because Jared Goff couldn't hit him in stride. It was pointless to have a deep threat who honestly was never. I mean, he had his health you know, concerns with the concussions, and there was a concern that he could retire. But the main factor is they didn't want to use him just in bubble screens anymore. They didn't want to use him on crossers. This is a guy that they wanted to be like how Deshaun Jackson's going to be used this season. And that, to me, is why you add Stafford, and all of a sudden – the Rams still winning 10 games last year with the most limited offense you will ever see. Now you add Stafford and there's still people for whatever reason, picking him to go 10 and seven or nine and eight. I'm just like, I mean, Stafford could be good. Not, not great. Good. Just good. Maybe even average. And that's still an upgrade of what golf was last year. Go back and watch, you know, the Miami game that defense held to attack by Loa to under a hundred yards and they lost by 11. Because Goff committed four turnovers, and they basically went cover zero. They sent the house, and Goff never picked up on the fact that they were sending the house. He never made the adjustments at the line of scrimmage. And furthermore, I don't want to give too much credit to Sean McVay, because I do think, while it's understandable, you know, Jared Goff had his, you know, his issues, I think McVay also had his issues. I think McVay, because of this, was trying so hard to make Goff work that, in a sense, he might have actually hurt Goff by talking in his ear all the time, you know, telling him different things. Maybe even he is to blame for, you know, keeping it that safe. But regardless, that offense was a far cry from 2017-18, and that is where we're at right now. The Rams finally got a taste with John Wolford coming in for the injured Jared Goff in Week 16. Wolford comes in Week 17. All of a sudden, he sees a different quarterback. He sees a quarterback that's confident. He sees a quarterback that can work off script, mobility, and, of course, a guy that can run. And all of a sudden, he's like, uh, Jared Goff's not my guy. John Wolford's <laughs> my guy at the moment. And then he was like, well, you know what? I mean, if Stafford's available, if Deshaun Watson's available, if Aaron Rodgers is available, let's see if we can get one of them. And sure enough, they were able to get Matthew Stafford. And I think that's uh, you know a match made in heaven, to be honest with you. I've been a huge Stafford fan, uh, full disclosure, for years. It's not just that he's on the Rams. Uh, he's been one of my absolute favorite players in the league. And he's somebody that I think people fall for the, the Thanksgiving syndrome where they just watched him on Thanksgiving, you know, and they saw the result. They remember him losing and that's all they think about. But, you know, there's a lot of context that needs to be added. And you look at those playoff games. I mean, you guys know Stafford's first playoff game, four touchdowns, his first ever playoff game, four touchdowns. But his defense gives up 45 points against the Saints. His second playoff game, there's a rough call at the end. You could argue either way. They lose a tough game there. And in the third playoff game, what more can I say? They go to Seattle, tough place to play, and Zach Zenner's is freaking running back. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it, it kind of was a little – it's a little hard on Stafford. And when people act like it's like a Tony Romo can't play in the postseason thing, it's not. You go back, you watch the film, he can play. It's not a clutch factor. If he was 0-3 and clearly he was the root cause, fine. But this is somebody that's known for having to come back from behind – he, I believe, leads the league over the last decade in come-from-behind wins and fourth-quarter comebacks, um, and that's because his team hasn't been very good. Uh, furthermore, you look at the weapons, they don't really create the separation that the Rams have. So you get the weapons, you get the offensive brainiac, and then on top of that, you're dealing with a team where this guy's 37-0 and leading at halftime. Stafford's barely up at halftime, so I think he's going to absolutely relish uh, in all the benefits that L.A. has to offer.
Now, Jay, come this week, uh, when it comes to Stafford, you mentioned uh, some of the new players that he gets to work with in L.A. There's also a new addition to the team and Deshaun Jackson. I'm curious, between those two, you know, we've seen Stafford for years now in Chicago. We know he's a gunslinger. He's someone that can push that ball down the field. Should Bears fans be expecting a more high-flying, aggressive attack from the Rams' offense compared to previous seasons? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think the best way I was actually on a show earlier today um, talking about this kind of same concept and it could go multiple ways and it's not to put too much into week one. Um, but this is Sean McVay. The training wheels are off, so to speak. Not that they ever should have been on because this guy has proven that he doesn't need them. But I'm saying with last year, how limited they were, everything it's it's no holds barred at this point. Um, and so if the Bears aren't ready, this could get ugly quick because I really do feel like Sean McVay is human. He's going to have that ego, you know, that uh, that human nature to him. And he's going to be like, I got Matthew Stafford now. I got a guy that can stretch the field to have familiarity with going back to Washington to Sean Jackson. I got two of the best, uh, you know, receivers in the league in Cup and Woods. And then I got a young stud in Van Jefferson, not to mention Tyler Higby good running backs and Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle. This offensive line is around top 10 last year. So I feel pretty good about the offense and kind of spreading it out. I got a quarterback that can make every throw on the field. So to be honest with you, uh, I see this being kind of similar to, um, you know, the greatest show on turf season when they played the Ravens. And that was a good defense. It was the top test. And the Rams just came out and you could just tell like, wait a minute, Kurt Warner might actually save them this year because the whole season before Kurt Warner played was that it was over. Trent Green's out. He got hurt in preseason. It's done. And, you know, he came out firing. I kind of expect the same thing with the Rams. After all, this is the most talented roster, in my opinion, uh, since the greatest show on turf era. All right, let's look into this backfield. Uh, I saw it reported earlier today that running back Sonny Michelle's on track to play Sunday night uh, after being traded to your team from the Patriots just a couple of weeks ago uh, to kind of help the Rams replace the Cam Akers. Uh, when you look at Michelle, he's a guy who averaged over five and a half yards per carry last season and really one of the better backs in the league uh, in terms of gaining yards after contact. Uh, you also have Daryl Henderson back there. And I know uh, Cliff in our chat was wondering uh, your thoughts on Michelle. Will he be ready and how is he going to kind of add an extra dimension or recall uh, to your offense so you have two capable backs what should we expect out of them yeah it's a great question I mean I think you know first off Daryl Henderson it's his backfield um, I know they added Sony Michelle I know a lot of people know that name first round pick average 5.7 yards per carry last year was on honestly he was gonna have his best season last year statistically um, here's the thing Daryl Henderson they trust it's more about keeping Daryl Henderson healthy and with the emergence of Jake Funk, that helped the rookie seventh-round pick out of Maryland, but he's coming off two ACL tears. And then, of course, you know you lose Xavier Jones uh, in the last preseason game with an ankle, and then you lose you know Raymond Calais for the season with plantar fasciitis. So it's ridiculous, you know, what they've had to do. And so you know losing Cam Akers early, early on, um, it's really been the Hendo show, so to speak. And he even had a thumb issue. And as soon as the thumb issue happened, they went out and traded for Sony Michelle, who I kind of felt like that was who they're going to go with. I felt like he was the best on the market. Um, somebody that still has a lot of game to him, but Ramondre Stevenson was playing too well, and I thought he was going to push him out, and that's pretty much what he did. Uh, so Sony Michelle is going to be an 8-12 to 12 touch a game type of guy, at least in my mind. We could see a completely different thing. But I don't think it's going to be just early on. I think this is going to be a 20-plus carry Hendo type of – or 20-plus touches – uh, Hendo type of season for him um, last year let's break up the facts here he was the most efficient runner uh, for the Rams last year he had the most touchdowns he had the most broken tackles um, you know he's only missed four games and yet people always want to call him injury prone uh, you could look at their captain in the back end of their secondary Jordan Fuller who everyone loves and obviously rightfully so but he also missed four games last year and doesn't get that moniker. So it seems a little unfair, and there's a little bit of some you know, biasness. I, I don't think there's a lot of people bought into uh, Daryl Henderson. He's not the most sexy option. He's not six foot one, 220-pound Todd Gurley running a 4'4", but mm -hmm. this guy does have that speed. And he's very similar to a former St. Louis Ram running back in Trey Mason. Uh, you know, Obviously, that didn't work out for him mentally, but 
you know, when he was at his best, people, you know, will remember. I mean, the 52 nothing game against the Raiders, he was a big proponent on that. Uh, so, you know, I think Daryl Henderson is going to be the main guy. I don't really expect to see much of Jake Funk this season. I think it's going to be Henderson and Michelle. And that's a good, really good luxury to have because I thought Jake Funk had a great preseason, somebody that's going to be used more on special teams. But if you're looking fantasy-wise, I know a lot of people are hearing, you know, I've seen it. Like, well, Schefter said this. I don't think Schefter said for 100% sure that Sony Michelle was going to start. I think he was kind of making a knee-jerk reaction to the – uh, the news and at the time it wasn't known whether or not Henderson's you know thumb was going to be serious or not right. uh, so I look at it like this you know Henderson and Michelle will be ready but Henderson has been in this offense and he's the guy who's going to be getting the rock uh, the majority of the time so definitely you know Henderson's worth a, a bigger ad I would say in fantasy I'd say even going up to round four he even went in round three the other day but if you're a fantasy football player and you're drafting you know, Sony Michelle to be, you know, a number one or a number two back, you're, you might be overstepping a little bit. His value goes through the roof if Henderson gets hurt. And I think a lot of people are expecting that um, because of, you know, he has gotten banged up a little bit. Um, but make no mistake about it. If they both stay healthy, that's going to be a one-two punch. But Henderson's going to be the majority leader in that backfield. It's funny, Jake. I actually have uh, Michelle on my fantasy team. I probably drafted him a little too early. should have heard your advice earlier. But I want to know, um, you do have Brian Allen as a starting center for this season. Someone that's played before has dealt through some injuries. How are you feeling about him as a starter? There's a new center there, new quarterback there. How are you kind of feeling about that? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, Brian Allen is a very interesting one. I have a weird relationship with Allen. Allen is somebody they draft in the fourth round in the 2018 draft, and I hated that pick like more than life itself just just absolutely hated it uh <laughs> thought he got absolutely bodied at michigan state i didn't think he was big enough to play the position and drafting in the fourth round i expect him to start i knew he wasn't going to start because they had john sullivan um you know i wasn't a fan of it and then last year well the year after in 2019 he becomes a starter and i mean he gets joe nope boom hurt uh just like everything's going wrong right uh then he gets hurt and so 2019 is a wash. I throw it away. I don't put too much stock into it. 2020 is a little different. Uh, you know, he suffers an injury. They redshirt him basically the whole season, kept him on the roster. Um, and then he also was dealing with COVID. But apparently he showed up in camp in 2021 with a completely different mindset, bulked up. He looks a lot bigger, a lot more confident. And I mean, I'm going to trust this coaching staff because they see him every day. Um, you know, I, I, don't love doing that, but I think the Rams at least deserve the benefit of the doubt. There's a little bit of a cause for concern because uh, Coach Aaron Cromer, who I think is one of the best in football, is no longer there. It's Coach Carberry, uh, who coached uh, the Stanford uh, offensive lineman last year. So that's a little bit of a you know a little bit of a worry for me. Reservation, but look, it makes sense when you're the Rams. You spent a 2018 fourth round pick on Brian Allen. I say you roll with him two games. He's going up against guys like Akeem Hicks and DeForest Buckner in the first two weeks. You'll know pretty quickly if this guy can take it. And if he can't, then you just kick uh, Austin Corbett right in. And then at guard, either no boom or uh, you have Tremaine Ankrum uh, potentially. So, you know, I'm, I don't hate it. Um, I don't love it, but I'm hoping he ends up being, you know, one of the picks. And I haven't hit on every Rams pick, but I can tell you the picks that I missed on, I'm glad. I missed on them because you know, I'm glad I was wrong because, you know, John Johnson, I didn't love him. I thought that was way too much of a reach there. And uh, I did not like the Jordan Fuller pick. I know hating on a sixth round pick is weird, but I had him as an undraftable grade. And here he is. He's, you know, a captain in, in year two. So uh, Allen, I'm hoping I'm wrong about. Um, I'm more confident than you would expect me to be if you saw my reaction to when he was drafted in 2018. <laughs> That's the best way I can put that. You can go All find right. that. Do you have like a video of that, uh, Jake? And just so I can go somewhere. Uh, that. <laughs> yeah, somewhere out there. Um, you keep it in a vault. Don't lie. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I got it. Probably it's somewhere. out there. It's out there. <laughs> I don't know if I was doing live streams yet, though, at the time, because I've live streamed every draft since. And but you should see my uh, reaction to Tutu Atwell. I thought I was looking into the abyss after that one, <laughs> but <laughs> I like him uh, now. But you know. 
So you mentioned Tyler Higbee, and you seem like you're pretty high on him this year. You lost Gerald Everett at the tight end position uh, throughout this offseason. So you go from an offense that has two really good tight ends uh, to Tyler Higbee having to carry some extra weight uh, around here. So I'm just curious to just your thoughts about the tight end position in general. I also know you have Johnny Mutt, who had a pretty good game against the Bears a year ago. So yeah, I know he's on my like dark horse radar. Should he be? Uh, yeah, I like that you brought up Johnny Munt. There's even Rams fans that don't remember Johnny Munt's good game against the Bears. Shame on them. Johnny Munt's an interesting one, guys. He should have been a third, fourth, fifth round pick, what have you, out of Oregon. Um, he's a UDFA that the Rams have kept. And, you know, the reason he didn't get drafted is because he suffered two ACL tears. This guy was very athletic, uh, you know, was able to stretch the field, run those seam busters. And unfortunately, I you know, I mentioned earlier, adapt or die with Sean McVay. It was adapter or die with uh, Johnny Munt, and he realized obviously he can't move as well as some of the other tight ends anymore because of his issues uh, with those injuries. But he's bounced back and stronger than ever, and and you know really become the blocking tight end. So seeing him have that game against the Bears was really cool for me because I've been following him uh, going back to you know his time at Oregon. Just thought I'd throw out there, but um, you know him, uh, Tyler Higby. I'm really curious to see how they use the rookie fourth round pick out of UCF, Jacob Harris. Um, he's a very intriguing, was playing soccer two years ago or three years ago, uh, pretty much playing soccer his whole life. And uh, over the last two years, he's played football. Um, so he's, you know, he's raw. He's a little older. He's like 24, 25 years old, uh, but he's super raw in the football sense. And he stood out big time in minicamp, didn't have the best preseason, but I feel like the Rams were towing a line of, you know, how much do we want to use him and expose how we can use him during the season? And how much do we just, you know, say, hey, he needs the snaps. Let's throw him out there. Let's get him some work. And so I think he could definitely be a red zone threat, as well as Bryson Hopkins, who did make this roster surprise a lot of people, but not me. Fourth round pick in 2020. He was my number one tight end in that draft. I had him as a second round grade. Uh, this is somebody out of Purdue that was kind of similar to Jacob Harris, used more of, as a flex tight end, receiving ability, uh, red zone threat. But the Rams are doing something different with him and really developing him more in line uh, so he can basically uh, take over the Tyler Higby role in due time. So there's a lot of uh, guys there at the tight end position. Linebackers are going to, you know, have their hands full. And, you know, it's kind of the thing when people are like asking me, should I draft Tyler Higby? You know, is he going to be like a top tight end this year? I'm like, the only thing that's holding back Tyler Higby is just who's around him. There's just way too many mouths to feed. So if you're expecting Tyler mm -hmm. Higby or you're going to hold him to 800, 900 yards, Sorry, you're going to be sadly mistaken. This is a guy that if he has, you know, around 600 in this offense, that translates to almost a thousand in another offense. So, uh, you know, he's somebody that can definitely creep up. He had three touchdowns against the Eagles, got hurt, and then kind of Gerald Everett kind of, you know, took over that role. But um, you guys remember what he did in 2019. I know everyone brings up the last five games of that season, which make no sense to me even today. Um, but, hey, they're out there and, you know, he's shown what he can do. <laughs> There you go. Bryson Hopkins is a guy I really liked out of Purdue. Got to talk to him a couple of times, just interview him at the Senior Bowl and Scouting Combine. Same. But <laughs> yeah, so Jake, I think just from the vibe that you're giving off, you're very confident in this this Rams team. But what, if yes. anything, right now concerns you about this offense? If there's anything, it, it, obviously the quarterback, like you said, first, first question I asked you, kind of solves all those problems. Is there something, though, still that you have questions about that you want to see answered if it's on Sunday night or throughout the course of the season? Not to sound Homer, but really no. And, and the reason <laughs> for it is it, it's very simple, guys. Uh, you know, last year, the running backs having the consistency that they did and the fact that they were able to have production was just so incredible because if you think about it, they were running against eight and nine guys in the box because no one gave any credit to Jared Goff's arm strength. And the fact that not even his arm strength, but the fact that he would test down the field. Now you have Stafford. Now it's going to be six, seven guys in the box. It's going to be a light box for Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle, which people are not taking into account. So because of that, I just think that they can win in every which way. I think this team is going to average over 33 points per game. I think they're going to be one of the best offenses in a long time, honestly. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, I mean, the offensive line, sure. I mean, if I had to pick one guy, it would be Brian Allen because it's just, you know, it would be ridiculous for me to say, no, Brian Allen's going to go in there and he's just going to do work and take care of every. Like, no, that's ridiculous. But if he does, then I won't mind it. 
I just say right now he's the only weak link. They are so loaded with weapons for Stafford. And then on top of this, and I bring this up and people think I'm nuts, but I'm serious. If Stafford were to get hurt, knock on wood, and like hopefully he never does, uh, If even if he did, John Wolford, I feel capable of them winning 10, 11 games with. He's somebody that can work off script. He would have all the weapons in the world. And I mean, this is pretty much the same team last year. He won his first game, was actually starting a playoff game, which a lot of people forget against Seattle. So I just feel like there's so many different backup options for the Rams. Even Bryce Perkins, their third uh, you know, quarterback who they kept, he led the NFC in passing in preseason. They love him. Um, and he could even be used in kind of like a Taysom Hill type of role. They just have so many. Like, this is the thing is that McVay was waiting for this. And I feel like he finally has it. And so it does. There is a kind of a feeling in the air. It's similar. I wasn't I was alive, but I wasn't like, you know, really alive. Right. I was I was pretty young during the great show on turf. But it, there is a kind of similar feel in the air that this this feels different. This doesn't feel like, you know, years with golf. This just feels different. And so I think the the biggest weakness on the offense would have to be Brian Allen. But if that's your biggest weakness and he comes out and he just does work, then really the only thing after that is just you pray everyone stays healthy. But if you don't do that every year, then you're insane. So, Jake, really good stuff about this Rams offense, a unit that obviously you're confident in. Uh, the Bears defense has a pretty tall order in front of them on Sunday night. Let's transition, though, to this Rams defense now that was the number one ranked defense in the NFL last year and Nick I think you have a question to kind of kick this off yeah so so Jake obviously the Rams very good on defense and they're number one in many statistical categories but similar to what the Bears kind of experienced in 2018 you lose that D coordinator things kind of don't you're not number one in a lot of categories the very next year so the my question for you is what are your thoughts about defensive coordinator Raheem Morris how you how are you feeling about what he's going to still add to his defense with the guys that they still have? Uh, he has some weird stat where like, he's the only coach in NFL history or something like that. I don't remember exactly. So don't quote me on it, but it's like the only coach in NFL history to win 10 games with a brand new starting 22. Um, when he was the coach in Tampa, this is somebody that has been a proven winner out of literally nowhere, out of thin air, you know, and I feel like he got a bad rap in uh, Tampa. But you know what I love about Raheem Morris? He's had both defensive experience and offensive. He was a receivers coach for the Falcons, DB's coach, uh, defensive coordinator, interim head coach. Um, watch that team at the end of last year. Tell me they didn't look like they were fighting for something way more than they did when Dan Quinn was the head coach. I'm just saying, I think this is somebody that is a player's coach. I think this is somebody that realizes that he's not, and not to use him again, but I'm going to, he's not Chip Kelly. He's not like, you know, you're going to fit in my system. I'm not going to fit my system around you. The first thing that he did, and this was a great, this gave me a great sense of relief. And I already really liked the hire. Uh, but I will say this, when he came out and said, all these guys already know Brandon Staley's defense, so to speak. Why would I change anything? Why would I change the verbiage? Why would I change it? He's just going with the flow. You know, he's going to add his own wrinkles. And that's the key is that add the things that you know that can make this defense better than last year. Don't try to make your own defense. Just add on to it. You have the number one defense in the league. You're inheriting Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the two best defensive players in football. Uh, you have all sorts of talent all over the place. I mean, there's no point to, you know, reinventing the wheel. What I do like is he has that experience with the Tampa too. So those wrinkles I do think will help. Plus, um, you know, I've been hearing, you know, the way that they'll use, you know, Jalen Ramsey is going to be like, where's Waldo, so to speak. He'll be all over the field. I like that because he's somebody that should always be used that way. He is a lethal weapon on the defense. He essentially can play every position. He can even play linebacker if you asked him to. So athletic, sound tackler. Always trying to, first off, make sure he has the tackle textbook. Doesn't get in any of those helmet-to-helmet -helmet issues or anything like that. Just sound tackler. And then once he has the tackle, he's going to try and punch it out. He's got such a great demeanor. Uh, I had Bryce Perkins on our show about a few weeks ago, and he just flat out said, look, this is a guy that every single practice he goes 100 in. And, and that's that's the thing. That's just It shows you what Jalen Ramsey is, why he's the best. 
And, uh, you know, Raheem Morris is going to have that. And he's going to have, you know, Leonard Floyd, who you guys know, who's kind of reinvented himself with the Rams. He's going to have himself, you know, for another season, you know, another year in that defense. And then, you know, Justin Hollins, um, you know, look, he's a guy that came over. He's a waiver claim. And I always say this, you know, Rams fans need to watch out for those waiver claims. Darius Williams, the starting corner next to uh, Jalen Ramsey, waiver claim. You know, they, they go out and get these guys that like are another team's trash and they become treasure. And so, you know, Justin Hollins goes from, yeah, he has some familiarity with Fangio and, you know, worked with Brandon Staley for a year, uh, but he's going to be a depth piece to now he's starting, you know. And so that's the thing there. Um, you have Sebastian Joseph Day. He had in the seventh round, um, I mean, just late pick. And he has just become one of the best nose tackles in football. Ashawn Robinson. Uh, last year, towards the end of the year, when he finally started getting going, I thought really showed you some promise. Uh, that's why they were able to leave uh, Michael Brockers in Detroit. I mean, you know, really, Ashawn Robinson, he has a chance to be really good this year, especially next to Aaron Donald. And Donald, I mean, like Donald can like end games. I mean, he can absolutely take them over. So you have him. And then the weirdest thing is that the linebackers, while there's not a household name, so to speak, if you're not a Rams fan, maybe you know Kenny Young uh, from the interception last year, prime time against Cam Newton, taking it back for six. Maybe you remember Troy Reader sacking uh, Alex Smith three times in one game. Uh, maybe you remember Ernest Jones in college, but or Traven Howard in college. But for the most part, these aren't household names. They're just guys that if you're a Rams fan, you know, and you know they're better than the consensus and what the consensus would say about them. So they really just have so much all around. Jordan Fuller making his impact and you know against Tampa, uh, the 199th overall pick, uh, picking up the picking off the 199th overall pick. Tom Brady twice. Uh, so you know him, Terrell Burgess, who unfortunately suffered that ankle break uh, last year against the Bears. That was his first. You know he was really starting to get the handle of the defense and starting to get his role. Uh, and then Taylor Rapp, who I believe had an interception off a tip pass last year against the Bears. So, you know, to me, they have a lot of talent there. And Raheem Morris is inheriting a really good defense, but he does deserve all the credit if they continue to stay in that that tier of, you know, top three, I would say. To me, they're a top 10 defense. I think, to be honest with you, the fantasy analysts are way higher in the Rams defense than I am. Uh, to have them at number one, they went seventh round in one of my leagues. I, I can't subscribe wow. to that, but I hope they do it. I hope they, I hope they're worth that. But uh, <laughs> some, some of them are just out there, man. I, I would also never pick a defense in the seventh round. So who, do I, what do I know? <laughs> there we go. A little fantasy advice uh, on top of all of this Ram inside. Uh, really awesome stuff there, Jake. So you mentioned Aaron Donald. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey. We all know what kind of game records those two, those two guys can be. Obviously, two potential defensive player of the year candidates right there uh, on your roster. And you also did a decent job of you know sharing some players, uh, all three levels of this defense uh, off of Nick's question. And, but I just want to know if Bears fans needed to know, like, one – name or maybe two additional names on top of Donald and Ramsey that we should be worried about attacking our offense? Who are they and why? Great question. I think the first thing is Darius Williams. Um, you know, this is the guy that you're throwing to, you're throwing at because you don't want to throw to Jalen Ramsey, but then also you kind of realize you don't really want to throw to Darius Williams either. I mean, you know, Williams has ended games. Uh, go back to last year. He shut down Daniel Jones getting, you know, a late game drive for the Giants. They really thought they were about to tie the game, makes the diving interception. You look at the the playoffs against, you know, the, uh, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, you know, uh, you know, takes that to the house, the, the pass to DK Metcalf. I mean, that completely changed the course of that game, ended up winning them that game. He is that ball hawking uh, playmaker that you want to have. I always compare and Jets fans hate me for it, but I don't really care, frankly. Uh, I always compare Ramsey and Darius Williams, not in size or height, but I compare them to Revis and Cromartie for what they do. Revis was on an island. Jalen can be on an island. But the other guy is going to reap the rewards in the stat column, and that was Cromartie, and this is Darius Williams. So Darius Williams, first and foremost, is a guy you want to know. I don't have to tell you about Leonard Floyd. You guys kind of saw him last year and his reinvented Do you like him in L.A., uh, by, role. by the way? Leonard Floyd? Yeah. I think the thing that I like the most about him, because I initially hated the idea of letting Corey Littleton go to sign him, 
Um, because initially we were told that he was going to be an inside linebacker, which I thought was stupid. So I'm glad what? that he's not. Yeah, I, that would have been dumb. But um, but Leonard Floyd, you know, watching and with all due respect, I appreciate their contributions to the team. But watching Dante Fowler and Clay Matthews and Connor Barwin the last three, four seasons try to set the edge and then watching Leonard Floyd do it, I'm like, oh, my God, Leonard Floyd is a breath of fresh air, man. He is so good against the run. And then just pretty much that's how I took it the whole season. I'm like, anything he does as a pass rusher is just icing on the cake because I just want him just to set the edge. They would lose so many of those matchups because those guys simply could not stop the run. And so it's not a shock. As soon as Leonard Floyd comes in there, you can't even run to his side. Uh, So I do really enjoy him for sure. Okay, I just had to know. You mentioned him. Sorry to get you sidetracked and a little bit off topic, but you mentioned no, Leonard good. Floyd a couple of times. I'm like, no, I got to know. Like, how is he received over there uh, after a year uh, in that new contract that he got as well? And I'm glad he got himself a long-term deal. Yeah, I would say, um, to answer your question, though, because you said two. So I would say uh, Darius Williams, one. And then I would say two. I'm going to say Terrell Burgess. Okay. Um, I know it's weird for him. Third-round pick, Utah. He broke his ankle. He ended his season last year at SoFi against the Bears, and now he's back, and it's like deja vu. It's like, hey, you're playing the Bears on primetime again, no less. Uh, but look, this is somebody that's going to be used all over the field. He can play free safety, strong safety, nickel. They love him. He's the one, really, that stood out for scouts in the USC game, had a huge interception, showed incredible uh, ball skills, and obviously those instincts that are just not coachable. Um, and so I think the Rams are going to use him all over the secondary. I don't even know how they're going to use him, to be honest with you, because it sounds to me like he might end up being the nickel guy. They'll rotate in and out. They got four deep at safety. You could argue five and even six. Their safeties are incredible. Um, so to me, I think I would say Burgess and I would say Darius Williams are the guys that you definitely want to keep in mind. Because number 26, I mean, he, he may not be fuller and he may not be rap known, but his potential is way higher than those two, in my opinion. And Jake, uh, just quick, quick question about the the Rams defensive line. You guys traded away Michael Brockers, you know, a captain for the team, someone that was consistent. And then also Morgan Fox, who had a career year last year. How are you feeling about the Rams defensive line and what they're capable of doing, the guys that they have? I know you mentioned um, Sean Robinson, the guy that's obviously going to be more intertwined to defensive line rotations, but – How are you feeling about that unit? Great question. So, you know, it really hurts as a fan to lose Michael Brockers. I have his jersey from when he was in St. Louis. I mean, I was a big fan of his, and he meant so much to the team. I like that you said he was a captain. He was a leader in that locker room. So, yeah, obviously have to fill that void. I think, uh, you know, Jordan Fuller's done a nice job stepping up, being named captain. Um, Jalen Ramsey as well. Aaron Donald. Uh, So I'm not too worried about that. Um, I do think that this defensive line has a chance to be even better this year. You have Sebastian Joseph Day going into a contract year. He already really broke out last season. Aaron Donald's the best freaking player in the league. Uh, but furthermore, you have guys like Ashawn Robinson who are finally healthy. I cannot stand, and healthy in, in a sense, I can't stand the the whole thing with Ashawn Robinson. Like Fans will say, why did we bring this guy back? He's always hurt. First off, he was on the team a whole year last year, so he's not been on the team for like five years. I don't know why people act like he's been on there for so long. Secondly, it was a health condition. So he has changed his diet. He hired a nutritionist. He lost all sorts of weight. Now he is super fit, and then he he gets a procedure done, and he's expected to be on track to play week one. Uh, So that defensive line, just those three in general, are going to be massive. But then you look at the, the back end. You know, they, they're able to keep Michael Hoyt, somebody that really blew up in preseason, uh, just has outstanding measurables. He's going to replace that Morgan Fox hybrid edge role uh, that, you know, he had like five or six sacks last year. It was definitely a productive, again, a UDFA that comes out of nowhere. They also kept Jonah Williams as well, uh, somebody that had a really good camp, did really well against the Cowboys in the joint practice, stood out pretty much every play he was in. Um, But big here is the fact Greg Gaines and Bobby Brown are the next guys up. Bobby Brown's a fourth round pick. They love he's only 21 years old. He's the future. But Greg Gaines is somebody that would be starting on the majority of teams in this league. And so there's a lot of people that don't realize how good he was. But you go back to college. I think PFF had a graphic. 
he was ahead of Quinnen Williams in pass rushing efficiency from the defensive line position. Uh, so this is somebody that was, you know, making things happen at Washington. He's a very impressive uh, player, and he just quite honestly hasn't gotten the opportunity. So I think he'll have a bigger role here as a rotational guy. Um, wouldn't have had it if, uh, you know, Brockers came back. But here's the big thing. You know, they held, they completely held Greg Gaines out of preseason. You don't do that if you don't expect this guy to have a significant role in the defense. And so their defensive line, there's just, they can hit you in so many different ways. They're going to be able to get Donald some rest. They're going to be able to get everybody rest. And that's the key here is that they have a lot of guys that can fill a lot of roles. And I feel like because of that, this defensive line's better than last year. All right, Nick, did you want to ask one final question for this defense? And Jake, if you don't have an answer because there is nobody, I'll ask the question first. When you look at this Bears offense, is there a player that you believe the Rams just need to keep in check for them to be successful? If you say nobody, that's perfectly fine. But is there just somebody that's maybe not Allen Robinson or is that the guy? Well, I think, you know, you have to look at Darnell Mooney. I think he's definitely a good player and, you know, he, we're not going to get into the the highlight. We're not going to get into it. Yes, we, we know. Yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, he's a very talented player. He deserves the credit. Uh, I believe he was a third-round pick or fifth-round pick. I don't even remember. But I uh, definitely really liked him coming out. Um, but, you know, a guy that I'm really curious about um, and how they'll use him, and, and I've heard different things, is that maybe they'll use him in packages and whatnot, is my guy Justin Fields. Uh, he was my QB, too. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. I think he could... He should be starting right away, but I'm also a baptism by fire guy. I don't think you pick a quarterback in the first round and you don't play him. Uh, and I also think that this narrative out there that they shouldn't play him against the Rams, that's a really bad precedent for a young quarterback. Like, hey, we love you, but you can't beat the Rams. What kind of confidence are you you know, instilling in a young quarterback like that? So to me, um, I've been clowning Andy Dalton since he came into the league, to be honest with you. I've never been a fan of his. Um, and Steve Weish gave me some crap for that, but either way, uh, you know, Justin Fields should be starting this game. I think Sean McVay knows that and Sean McVay's game planning for Justin Fields to be a part of it. That's the guy because you know, and I I hate to be this guy, but you know, Andy Dalton's not beating the Rams. Okay. Justin Fields. You don't know if he could beat the Rams because while they have experience going against these guys, they have, of course, Wolford and Perkins uh, to help emulate the type of game that you would see from a Justin Fields in practice. They, they've gone against Russell Wilson, uh, Kyler Murray, Colin Cap, what you know, those type of quarterbacks, right? The thing is, though, <laughs> with uh, with Justin Fields is that you just don't know. You know, you this guy, it's week one. It's prime time. Everyone's so worried about what bad thing could happen to him. But what if he comes out and balls out and he creates this whole, I mean, he would, you know, right now I feel like fans are kind of like the Bears could make the playoffs, but right now I don't feel like super confident. I just kind of feel like, yeah, we're, we're there. We have, you know, a competitive roster. We'll be in games, but Andy Dalton doesn't make me feel comfortable. If Justin Fields came out, upset the Rams, it would change the entire season for the Bears. And so I don't understand why he wouldn't. And, and honestly, furthermore, this idea of using him in sub packages also makes no sense because that would put him in more danger. Isn't it? The whole point is that you don't want him to be in danger against the Rams defense, but yet you're going to trot him out there in sub packages. So he's put in less athletic positions, say he's catching a football, say they use him as a receiver and you put him in a weird position where he tears his Achilles. Like, this is my point. And this is why I feel like, you know, the bears, I would, I would have a lot more respect for Nagy if he just bit the bullet and played fields. And there are Rams fans that are literally like, good, I don't want him to play because I'm terrified of him. I saw him at Ohio State. I saw his toughness. I saw him take that big shot against Clemson. But you know what? They beat Clemson. And he went to the national title game and lost. But that team got there because of Justin Fields. So that's the guy. If they play Justin Fields, it's a completely different game. Um, I mean, completely different. If they play Andy Dolan, I think they're going to be punting a lot. Well, I don't think we're going to see Justin out there all too much, uh, if at all, uh, unfortunately for us. Uh, maybe for you too, if you want to watch him play. Uh, real quick, Jake, I was curious if you had any thoughts that you wanted to share about our new punt returner, uh, Nasimba Webster, since he, he did the uh, same thing for you guys. 
Simba is such a great dude. Um, had him on early, early on in his career. Had him on the show. Um, he gets a lot of crap from the fan base, and everyone's so glad he's gone. But I actually really liked him, and he was honestly he was like a top fifteen returner last year according to uh, stats. So right. I feel like people just kind of hate returners. I feel like people, especially our fan base, hates linebackers. Corey Littleton was like a top five linebacker. I think his last season with the Rams, that people were still just trashing him. So. You know, it's it's fan for reason, fan fanatics. So, you know, it's like I get it, but I wish people, you know, respected Nassimba a little bit. I, I'm rooting for him. I, I hope he does well. Um, I hope he's the kick return of the rest of the year. He's a great guy, and he's coming from a program that, you know, came out throughout uh, Cooper Cup and Samson Ibukam and, uh, you know, Kendrick Bourne. I'm talking about Eastern Washington, of course. Um, but there's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for that, that program. I like what they're doing. They're, they're putting guys in the, the league and I'm rooting for Simba Webster. Cause I mean, I, like I said, had him on the show, a super, super nice guy, easy to root for. I mean, you talked to him, right? Is that what you just said? No, I haven't talked to him yet. No. Oh, okay. Maybe one okay. day. Um, but no, had him in here. Uh, like we just watched him get signed and he just got named at least on our dev chart. Uh, starting punt returner, uh, we're going to have our rookie running back do kickoffs right now. Uh, but that's the guy in last year. I know about your rookie running back. Punt. That's my guy. <laughs> Khalil? Khalil Herbert. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned I like Bama, but I'm also a Kansas Jayhawk fan. I know that's weird, but I have a lot of family in Lawrence. And so uh, I've been following Kansas football for a while. I know that's crazy. Uh, but man, when they had Khalil Herbert and they had Puka Williams, I think it was against Boston College. And that was the last game Khalil Herbert ever played for KU. I have no idea why he transferred. I think a lot of it came down to Puka Williams, but I don't really know. Just one day, he basically, right after that game, they ripped off, like, it was like 300 total yards. Like, they dominated, right? They beat him. It was a huge deal. Kansas finally beat, like, a big-time school or whatever. And then he transferred. or He quit the season and then transferred. Um, seeing him fully develop into the running back he became last year was definitely exciting. I root for him. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, looking at him long-term, he's a sixth-round pick, but, you know, look at Chris Carson, seventh-round pick from the Big 12. Um, you know, David Montgomery, I don't know if they bring him back after his rookie deal. I don't know. It depends on how rich that would be. Damian Williams, of course, is like a one-year, hey, we'll, we'll throw you in there. You're going to be our backup. Uh, I really hate, you know, that Tariq Cohen went down. That was like my guy from NCANT. I kept saying, I'm like, this guy's different. This guy's different. He's going to go early and you, you'll never see it. And then he went like the third round. So, you know, it was bummed to see him get hurt. But I really, I really do like Khalil Herbert. And I think he has what it takes to be an NFL running back. So keep an eye out for him. He's not just a kick return. I think he could end up being your starting back in the future. Yeah, we liked what we've seen out of him in camp and throughout the preseason. Very high on uh, Khalil Herbert. Uh, so, Jake, I have a two-part question to kind of wrap up this show. Uh, the first part yeah. of this is, why will the Rams win? Um, they're going to win because they're just a they're a better team, um, it, you know, all in all. I think this is a team that's really hungry. And I know there's a lot of new players, but there's also a lot of old players. There's a lot of players from, you know, either the previous regime. There's players from the Fisher regime. There are still three St. Louis Rams, uh, you know, from the, you know, 2015 roster. So I think this team's ready. Um, you know, Sean McVay knows, look, we got to the Super Bowl year two, okay? Didn't make the playoffs the year three. And then year four, we kind of got a raw deal with the injury to Aaron Donald. I mean, even with a nine-fingered quarterback, Jared Goff, he played a hell of a game against the Packers. He really did. And they they had an opportunity to win that game it really came down to the fact that they just, they didn't have Aaron Donald. I mean, he played early on, but he was like 30% healthy, completely different story if Donald's healthy. And you could see it was a little bit of a concern how much the defense dropped off without Donald. It makes you wonder how much of the defense is Donald. But here's the thing, you know, this team, they are not just fighting for the NFC West. I keep saying this. I think the NFC West is also getting a little overrated too. I think the Rams are really fighting for the NFC title. Like they're they're basically playing for the NFC Championship week 3. I keep saying this. They're playing Tampa Bay week 3. Sean McVay does not look over games. He's not going to look over this game, much less I mean no one's going to look over week 1, you would think. But he's not going to look over this game. 
He's not going to look over the Colts game. He's not going to look over Tampa, obviously. He just doesn't look over games. So I think they'll be ready to go. It's at SoFi. Uh, this is probably the worst scheduling for the Bears that they could have had. It's why <laughs> the uh, I saw, what was it, ESPN pick them. There's like 98% pick the Rams. And I'm like, oh, it's definitely 2021 because we go back to when I was in high school and it was 98 the other way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. Uh, but I do feel like the Bears drew the probably the toughest matchup they could have drawn, you know, going up against a team that's going to open up. It's the fan debut. They opened SoFi up with the fans week one, brand new quarterback. I kind of feel bad when I explain it that way. I do feel like this could get ugly. And if it does, then I mean, it's like, do you play fields? Do you not play fields? I mean, I just kind of feel like it's going to end up being somewhat of a blowout, and I feel like they should play fields because if they play fields, then I feel like it's a completely different game. But that's that's my opinion. I don't have any issue against the Bears. I don't hate the Bears. You're not the Seahawks fans of my mentions. You're you're not the Forty Niners. Uh, you you know you don't really you're not the Browns. You don't annoy me. So you know I uh, I root I, you know I hope the Bears have a uh, a good season this year. I hope we get to see Justin Fields. Uh, you know, get to that level that I think he can get to because in all honesty, him falling to 11 was very reminiscent to Patrick Mahomes falling, uh, you know, where the Chiefs got him. So yep. I think it's very similar. And I think the Bears are going to reap the rewards. He didn't get it right the first time with Trubisky. That's OK. You're going to get it right with Justin Fields. Uh, I sure hope so and believe it's definitely the case as well, Jake. So my last question, and it's the inverse of the previous question, what do the Bears need to do to pull out a victory here uh, and kind of sneak away with one? Play Justin Fields. (laughs) I thought that was coming. I I mean, look, you know, Allen Robinson's going to have a hard time. Ramsey really shuts down everybody he goes up against, but Allen Robinson is phenomenal. He is one of the best uh, receivers as far as contested catch rate in the league. Um, so that's a good thing there. I think if you played fields, you have him, you have Mooney, you have Komet, who I also didn't mention. I like Komet. And plus, you have David Montgomery. You can do a little bit of everything. Dump it off to Montgomery. You could easily draw up an easier game plan for fields to manage the game if you're scared of him getting killed. And then if they really felt like they, you know, you stuck with the Rams and you're in it, all of a sudden you could start, all right, Fields, let it rip because we've seen it. We saw uh, that throw to Jesper Horstead in uh, preseason, and that was no joke. That was an NFL throw. You know, competition is competition. So I don't care for for you people saying, well, uh, third and fourth string, leave it at the door because I, I don't care about that. Is the guy making throws in an NFL stadium with fans? He's doing more than a lot of the quarterbacks did last year, throwing in regular season games with nobody in the stands. Congrats. You're you're basically having a scrimmage. So it's going to be way different this season. Um, I feel like, you know, with, with the Bears, that they want to beat the Rams, uh, they definitely, definitely have to play uh, Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, I think they, they really have to dictate the tempo because if, if they decide, you know, they play fields, for instance, and they were able to, you know, run the clock and you can win games even when you're not the better team as long as you control the clock. You could be the pest that continues to convert third and two every single time. What that's going to do is it's just going to keep running the clock down and it's going to keep the ball. You're basically playing keep away. If you play smart football, if you play turnover free football, if you have a quarterback that can escape the worst type of situation with his speed, and we know he can, you have a chance. But yeah, play Andy Dolan. See if I care. <laughs> that seems to be uh, the plan ahead. So, Jake, uh, thanks so much for your time again uh, this evening uh, to share your thoughts and insight on the Rams. Uh, I know we really appreciate it. I know our listeners do, too. I'm curious, how can our listeners uh, find you and your show if they want to keep up on all things Ram uh, throughout our game week here? Yeah, before I do that, I actually saw a comment that said some, somebody was talking about Vildor, and I just realized Kendall Vildor starting for you guys, right? Yeah, he is. Yep, he that's is. He my guy. The that's my guy. Like I met him at the Senior Bowl. He's the nicest dude. Uh, I'm rooting for him. Just again, have a great game. Just don't have too great of a game. But uh, I'll be rooting for him the whole season. So glad to know that. You guys can find me at JK Bogan on Twitter. I have a. YouTube, it's just Jake Ellenbogen, my name, all caps. Um, 
And then I have the AJ show. It's an NFL centric show. I'm going to be doing every Sunday with my cousin. You can follow that at AJ show live. And then I'm also at, of course, downtown Rams. Uh, You can follow all the downtown Rams, fantasy football, uh, NFL draft. We're doing it all this year. Downtownrams.com is where you can find all that. So even if you're not a Rams fan, you can check out our draft and fantasy football content. Awesome stuff there, Jake. Nick, any final thoughts before I wrap it up? No, but uh, I'm, I thank you for just coming on here and just giving us the lowdown on this Rams team because obviously it's a team that we we're familiar with now for the last couple of years, but it's great to get that insight from somebody who covers them as extensively as you do. I appreciate that. It's been a pleasure, guys. I, I loved uh, talking up with you, and who knows? Maybe we get a, a playoff game here and there You know, to, to talk about. These, these teams like to mash against each other, so who knows? Yeah, they sure maybe. do, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm being nice. I'm being nice. I, I appreciate uh, the generosity uh, that you're throwing at us here to kind of close out the show. Thank you, Jake. You know it. <laughs> All right, that'll do it, Bears fans. Thanks for tuning into this episode, this first Meet the Opponent episode of the season. If you like the show, uh, please take a moment to join the over 700 Bears fans who have rated and reviewed our show over on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back in just a couple of days with our first game preview show of the season. Uh, what do the Bears need to do in order to pull out a dub here in week one that is not starting Justin Fields? Our in-depth preview will explain that and everything you need to know before this primetime season opener. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.